Welcome to Toho Yaro, a Japanese film club podcast. I'm your host for this month, Alex, and with me as always is Joey. Hey, everybody. And Scott. Hello, everybody. And today uh, we're going to be talking about Juzo Itami's The Funeral. Uh, for for um, listeners who may remember, uh, we've covered a Juzo Itami movie before, uh, a couple years ago, uh, with Tampopo. Um, the yeah. Funeral, uh, which was uh, a 1984 film, is actually his first film, uh, which is uh, kind of interesting because you kind of get to see the uh, sort of the beginnings of what became uh, like his his later stuff, like Tom Popo. Yeah, totally. Um, do you guys have any uh, history behind The Funeral before we? No, I've I've only in? seen Tom Popo. Yeah, I I knew nothing about it going in. Wow. Well, uh, I think the the first time I heard of this movie is when we did the Tampopo episode, and uh, and uh, this was in his credits, and I kind of wanted to visit it at some point, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, for a little bit of a refresher, um, you can check out the Tampopo episode of this show. Uh, but uh, he's uh, Juzotami, um, just in a nutshell, has had a pretty long story career uh, as as a uh, actor screenwriter and and director and uh the funeral is a film in which he both uh wrote and directed and it won five japanese academy awards in 1985 including best film best director and best actor for tsutomu yamazaki and it was nominated in a further five categories and came in first in the annual kinema junpo critics poll so uh it had a profound impact on uh jizo itami's career as well uh, as far mm-hmm. as the cast goes, uh, it's a staple of Itami regulars, including the aforementioned Tsutomu Yamazaki, who listeners might remember from Tampopo. He played Goro. Uh, and in this one, he plays uh, the the uh, the son-in-law, um, Wabisuke uh, Inoue, uh, Irinoue, rather. And uh, his wife uh, in the movie is played by Nobuko Miyamoto, Jizo Itami's real-life wife. Uh, she plays Chizuko. And um, she was the title character in Tampopo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Popo. It was She's nice also... to see them together again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, 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 playing working such backwards a now. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's funny seeing Goro, like the the character of Goro in this movie, being like really buttoned up and and mm-hmm. straight laced. Um, yeah, I had uh, recently been watching a TV series that he starred in previous to this, uh, I think in the late 70s, called Samurai Punisher. It's streaming on High Dive, um, and it's a really cool like uh, crime drama show, um, and he's one of the star characters as this sort of like uh, lapsed monk who... Uh, is now working as a chiropractor, so he like you know has skills to like neutralize people by <laughs> twisting you know their spine or whatever. And uh, he's a, he's a really um, endearing character. You can definitely like see his charisma coming through instantly. Like I think at the beginning of the show, he's just one of uh, many cast members, and then he seems to kind of become one of the core like two or three that they focus on a lot because I think he just shines. Yeah, the uh, the cast in this movie is pretty plentiful, but um, there's a lot, and I didn't really uh, go through and write down literally every single cast member. But uh, it 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 becomes more of a, it becomes less of an ensemble and more of a uh, as you say, like uh, there's a core cast mm-hmm. uh, of characters. Um, uh, Nobuko Miyamoto does a really fantastic job in this as well. Um, she totally. shows a really wide range of emotion and um uh it, it's so funny because at first you know in the in this film you think that you know she's got a handle on everything but uh it i don't know she surprises you um uh and uh she was also in a torsan movie i uh don't know if we mentioned that uh in the tampopo episode but she was in torsan's shattered romance from 1971 i'm not oh, sure nice. yeah uh, as well as a taxing woman uh we definitely covered that because mm-hmm. the taxing woman is the is the series that uh, Juzo Tommy is is really well known for. Uh, also in the film, um, uh, Kin Sugai plays the matriarch of the family, uh, Kikyue. Um, she is just awesome. Uh, what a like she was she was a really great really great character to watch, and she has had a 
incredible, uh, incredibly long storied career, beginning uh, beginning actually in 1952 with Ikiru, and uh, and then Godzilla. <laughs> oh wow! So she's uh, she's been in uh, many more Toho Yaro picks. Yeah. Uh, she played the housewife in Ikiru and uh, Ozawa-san in Godzilla. I don't remember who that is off the top of my head, but yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, she, she's been in a whole bunch of other uh, other really great films. She's been in High and Low, uh, Red oh, Beard. Cool. She's um, she's the village woman in the uh, Yuki Ona segment of Kwaidon. Oh wow! Yeah, yet another Toho Yaro <laughs> movie. Yeah, she's just popping up everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> we've we we've seen her, but uh, but didn't even notice. She was in the Zatoichi TV series, um, as a recurring character. Uh, and she's uh, given Takashi Shimura a run for uh, our most frequent alumni. <laughs> yeah, she. <laughs> Uh, we're we're going to have to calculate that at some point. <laughs> um, her uh, her acting career ended with Haru's Journey in 2010. Um, and she unfortunately died uh, earlier this year uh, on August 10th uh, at age 92. So yeah, she's she's um she's a she's quite an acting vet. Um and the other uh, the other cast member I'd like to mention of course is uh Hideji Otaki who plays uh, the um the brother of the uh, of the father who who uh, who dies in this movie, um, he uh, he was the old sensei uh, who teaches uh, Ken Watanabe how to eat ramen in Tampopo. Uh, that's that's where I know him from. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. also in uh, A Taxing Woman, of course, uh, as well as uh, <laughs> the Kashan movie. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> which which we've also talked about other like better actors being being in yeah. in previous movies, which is funny. it all comes back to Kashan. So, um, but he's also uh, he's also been an actor since uh, 1952 as well. Um, he's been he's uh, in a Zatoichi movie, Zatoichi in uh, Desperation, uh, a uh, Lone Wolf and Cub movie, Baby Carton, Land of Demons. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, he's in Torasan Sunrise and Sunset. And Torasan oh, nice. the intellectual, like he's in several Torasan movies, mm-hmm. and uh, he's also in Kagemusha, uh, which is a film that I admittedly have not seen. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a uh, um, Kurosawa. Yeah. yeah, I I own it. It's on my shelf. I just haven't watched it yet. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, check it out when you've got yeah. three hours <laughs> plus to kill. Yeah. Yes. Um, honorable mention, of course, goes to uh, Kiminobu Okumura, who plays. Um, Shinkichi, uh, Amaya, uh, Amaya, uh, Amamiya, God, I, I can hardly, it's such a hard name to pronounce. Uh, and, uh, props to him because he plays a corpse in this movie mm-hmm. for the most part. He's got a good death scene at the beginning Yeah, he, too. he, he makes the most of what time he has on screen. <laughs> yes. Um, and a special, special shout out, of course, to Chichi Ryu, who plays the priest in this movie, the Buddhist priest. Um, yes. re- reprising his role from several Torasan movies. <laughs> yeah, I didn't recognize him at first, um, but yeah, he's great. Yeah, I guess probably because like the ones that we've covered so far, he was younger. But yeah, uh, this is a good like at least fifteen years on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he he played that role until the last like few movies uh, that uh, I think possibly he had already passed away, or maybe he just like. Uh, sat the last few out because of health issues but like yeah he uh i recognized him instantly i was like oh my god <laughs> uh especially in that garb yeah um yeah pretty uh <laughs> pretty funny i i like to think that uh the torsan universe and this movie exist in the same universe now mm, yeah confirmed um i wanted to talk re- uh pretty briefly about the music in this movie uh, is composed by a fellow named uh, Joji Uasa, uh, who also composed uh, music for uh, Pleasures of the Flesh, uh, Funeral Parade of Roses, um, and uh, Owl's Castle. I've not heard of any of these, but I'm just uh, I, I I thought to note it because I thought the music in the movie was very beautiful. Oh, okay, great, yeah. Um, I have Funeral Parade of Roses. I've still not watched it, but I want to do a mini episode on it. Oh once yeah. I do. Please do, yeah. Mini, minis are minis are encouraged. I think we have a couple, couple in the uh, in the old think tank. Yeah. And by that I mean, 
not not an actual think tank. I mean, <laughs> like now we keep you know ever since we did one like a year and a half ago or something like that, we've been kind of like, man, that that's such a good idea. We should do one about this, and we should do one about this, but we haven't uh, gotten around to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so much like uh, Tom Popo, the funeral sort of explores a uh, a very particular subject and um, and hammers down on the minutia of it in in humorous ways. Uh, I think that's the best way to describe this movie in a nutshell. Um, but it's a little you know it's 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 got heart. Uh, so the movie the movie uh, opens up at uh, Kamone Onsen. Um, where the uh, we have a narrator in the story, by the way. It's it's Wabusuke, um, the son-in-law of the uh, soon-to-be deceased, and um, uh, he comes in every now and again. But he explains that uh, the onsen in which his uh, in-laws live um, used to be his family's house, and then now they occupy it. Um, but they still come and visit every uh, now and again. So uh, here we are in the the home of. Uh, Shinkichi and Kikyue Amamiya, and um, Shinkichi comes uh, comes home from work and brings uh, sort of an exorbitant uh, meal, which is atypical. Um, they cook, uh, they cook together, him and Kikyue, and uh, they have a nice meal. And he suddenly uh, starts having like uh, stomach pains. And she's in the kitchen, and she's just kind of doing her own thing, and he's sort of crying out in pain a little bit and crawling over uh, to the balcony, and um, she's like, hey, what's what's going on? Like, she's very nonchalant yeah. about it. Uh, couldn't tell if this was supposed to be funny, but I laughed. The way he's <laughs> crawling around with his knees locked in that position makes it like a a sketch comedy bit, almost. It It is very comical. The pose yeah. he's in. Yeah, so uh, he ends up um, doubling over, and and she's like, "Should I call an ambulance or a hospital?" And he's like, "Oh no, no, no! I'll be, I'll be okay. This is this will just go away on its own." Um, so she helps him up, and uh, we're, we then cut to um, Wabiske and his wife Chisuko getting a call. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, like, at their work, yeah. they're like <laughs> actors. Yeah, they're actors for uh for commercials, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're filming a a what I would call a very typical Japanese commercial mm-hmm. for uh, insert product here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really cool to see the like trick photography of her being really huge, uh, walking in doing the tea ceremony thing. Yeah, I was trying to figure out exactly how they did it, but I'm I'm sure that it's very similar to how Peter Jackson filmed uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, you just put one person closer to the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I like I like the shot of when she gets up to go answer the phone after they wrap, and it like breaks the illusion as she gets up, walks forward, and then runs into the background to go through the door. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty uh pretty pretty good scene. Um. At that point, then they are, uh, they call a, I, I didn't really get this. Um, so, so they talk, well, first they talk about how, uh, their mother Kikioi wants the funeral to be at their house in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Kamome. And, um, uh, they arrange the funeral with, uh, I don't know who this guy is supposed to be. Um, he's I some sort there's... of financier. Yeah. I think or... he's, Wabiske's either like agent or personal assistant or something. Yeah. Because okay. he's like in charge of all his finances and scheduling and stuff. Okay. I couldn't I couldn't figure out like who this person was supposed to be. Like if yeah, it was, like, I was some sort trouble of trouble with that too. Like a, a funeral financier or something like that. I don't know. Um But uh with the introduction of, of this guy, uh it made me um I think one of the things that this movie touches on is how expensive funerals are. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in particular, like, this is very, there's a lot of conspicuous consumption going on, and it talks about how they're, like, rich actors, and the house that the uh, Amamiyas are in is this, like, gigantic onsen, and so this is, it's not just that funerals are expensive, but that this is a very expensive, fancy funeral, because these people are very well off. Right. 
Um, so they're, uh, they, the lot of them drive in the rain to the hospital. Uh, there's a particularly, um, quirky scene here where, um, I guess YBSK's agent is eating a sandwich and, uh, or, uh, or vice versa. Either way, they, he's they, eating a sandwich and yeah. he's trying to get one to his agent. Yeah. And they do the most dangerous thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I try to like pass it through the window of two moving cars, like uh, in the rain in with the all rain. of his family in the car with him. Like <laughs> it sets such a weird tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I feel like... having even though this is before Tom Popo, having seen Tom Popo first, I couldn't help but kind of compare it and be kind of like still kind of in my head think of it as the second one or something but it definitely reminded me of like the you know gangster scenes and stuff like that where he was just kind of like i'm gonna take uh, a different genre and apply it to this subject or something and so this was our like action scene for some yeah. reason <laughs> it, it's like high speed uh high speed gray pouponing like <laughs> <laughs> But I don't remember think the old commercial. Nothing else in the movie gets quite as madcap, so it threw me off a little. Like the this film was a little weird to me in a lot of aspects, mm-hmm. but like this is this scene isn't entirely out of place with the rest of the movie, but it's it's an odd one, especially so early on when we're just getting introduced to these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's definitely weird. Um, there are a lot of points in this movie that definitely feel proto Tampopo, um, yeah, like, and not as tight uh, mm-hmm. quite yet. Um, so they get to the they get to the hospital, and the entire rest of the extended family is there. Um, a motley crew of characters, but the one who introduces himself is the uh, is is um, Shinkichi's brother Shokichi. Um, uh, who has a pretty big recurring role throughout the entire movie um, and doesn't seem like... It seems like a, a fairly annoying guy <laughs> for, for all intents and purposes. Um, yeah, it seems like... I can't quite... like. It seems like either this guy is... You know, he's elderly too, so either he's start, his brain's starting to go a little bit or this is just how he's like processing his grief. He's very like... Um, sticks his nose in everything and kind of questions the process every step of the way, but also seems like maybe uh, things don't stick that people are saying to him and his memory is kind of fuzzy and stuff like that too. Yeah. He is, he is the older brother. And I think at some point in the movie, somebody mentions that uh, they didn't get along. Mm. What strikes me about him is I, I didn't get the impression that he was uh, like, his mind was going or anything just that he was intensely self-absorbed mm. and like because he's constantly like no i'm you want to do it this way but i have this other idea of how it should be done and a lot of the time when he's looking at his brother you get this kind of contemplative look that made me feel like he's the older brother so he's like and the last last one of their siblings so he's just kind of like looking at him being like, this is going to be me soon. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So I noted this. They all touch his face. Um, I guess I'm not sure why. (laughs) I don't know if you guys had any uh, insight. Yeah, I think think this whole movie is an exploration of the a very thorough look at all the different rituals and stuff. So I think it's very likely that that's a custom that I'm just not familiar with because I've never gone through the funeral <laughs> procedures in Japan, you know, type thing. Yeah. Uh, feel free to tweet at us, by the way, if you know. Like, like we, we want to learn. Uh, sure. <clears throat> and uh, let's see here. Uh, more more money is being doled out, of course. Uh, like, it, it, they give very, um, very specific dollar amounts. Uh, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, then I go- just feel like Itami's like mission with this was like, don't miss any details. Like, really cover this every step of the way type thing. Yeah. And so that seemed to be. I mean, I think it also was kind of a reflection on the idea of like how much money is spent and how affluent these people are and stuff. But like, I don't know. I just, I just really felt like um, he was like, I'm gonna be as thorough as possible in looking at all the different like steps of the way of funerals like i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if he had like recently been through it and was like 
man, there's a lot more to this than I had suspected or something like that. Yeah, it's in spite of the wacky car scene earlier, the rest of the movie is like, even though it is still does have comedy beats, it is a very grounded movie. And I think that part of his attention to detail in this was like, if, uh, you live long enough, funerals are going to be a thing that you, you've been to a few of them. And so he just wanted to kind of reflect the experience of of that with authenticity, but also kind of like maybe lampooning it a bit because of just how goofy humans are. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and we get to see more of this goofiness as they go from the hospital to the house in the rain still and carrying the coffin up the stairs, uh, these narrow stairs, uh, almost almost falling. Uh, but finally getting him up there. Um, the next morning uh, is the day of the wake, and uh, Wabiske and Chizuko are watching a... a um, this is a scene, like, basically straight out of uh, Tom Popo, a training video yeah. on, on how to conduct yourself uh, if you're hosting a funeral. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's pretty funny, but also, I guess, educational for them, since I, I think this is e- their first either of their first funeral. It seems. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there's a point that Chizuko has never been to a funeral. Or maybe I... Yeah, I don't recall. That. I don't remember that. Yeah, that. That wouldn't be surprising. Because, yeah, it does seem like the sort of, like... I don't know. When I was thinking about it, I, I it reminded me of how now, these days, I'm like, how do I do a thing? And I look it up and look it up on YouTube or something and watch a little instructional video. But yeah. this time they had to have a VHS that they mail-ordered or something. I don't know. Or possibly got from the, like, funeral organizer guy um it is fascinating because like being on that end of funerals before this like i said it's very grounded it does reflect a lot of what it's like where you don't know how any of this is actually supposed to work even if you've been to funerals before you don't know the the protocol what you're supposed to do especially in a situation where it's far more ritualized um but yeah i i there's a lot of like other other points that were very authentic to me that I'll point out when we get to. Uh, I also want to jump back a minute to when they're carrying the coffin up the stairs. The entire time, I just was like, "This is exactly like moving a couch." <laughs> yeah, that's what it. That's definitely what it felt like. Uh, <laughs> they probably could have explored that further by trying to get it in the door. <laughs> but yeah, just the, the wait. No, we've got the wrong way. Go back down. Turn it around. We gotta try again. My hands caught. All that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, they get a visit from I. I I believe uh, a psychiatrist who came the night before. Um. He was I'm, the one who they the uh, Kikue when he had the heart attack ran next door because she knew the neighbor was a doctor, even though he's a psychiatrist, not a, um, like a heart doctor or anything. Uh, right. Yeah. And this, and this is around the time that they start getting, uh, visited from, uh, their neighbors and friends and immediate family and setting up, uh, the, the montage of them setting, uh, setting up the, the house, is is quite interesting because it's done in the style of a homemade video. Um, one of the one of the relatives, right? He's that weird looking dude walking around with the camera. Oh, yeah, I couldn't figure if he was a relative or if he was someone that was like making a documentary on <laughs> on that guy's life or something. Cause yeah, since he was a yeah, like I I assumed they were commercial actors, but maybe they were also like actually stars. Like it was kind of hard to. Tell. Yeah, I thought they were actually like real like actors. It's just they were filming a commercial. Yeah, that's the, the impression the I got thing. is that they were like movie stars, and this was their like commercial spot that they were making or something. But yeah, I thought that guy was was just a friend of theirs from like the business that they hired to come film this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, well, that that guy in particular also uh, uh, Miss Miss Saito comes with him as well. Um, for for some reason, who is she? We'll find out in a little bit. <laughs> She's just sort of there. Um, uh, also, during that, um, during the black and white like handy cam 
footage, there the interstitials are with a child with a basket on his head with a face yeah. uh, put on with like construction paper, and it looks terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the thing was really interesting. Um, I think, yeah, I think this is a, a, another sort of proto Tom Popo thing where it was just kind of like, let's play around with different format and and framing devices and stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I but really yeah, like... it did look kind of like a mixture between like a horror movie and the like Bob Dylan standing there with signs thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kid wearing the Amigasa. Uh, I um I also noted that in the in the video they they show them buying the beads and how much all mm-hmm. the beads cost. Like there's mm-hmm. price tags and like very very blatant price tags in all these beads. And then they buy the, like three most expensive ones. Yeah. Um, and as uh, as they're trying to figure out um, uh, the the crematory situation, um, he notices that Miss Saito and uh, and camera guy are are drinking a lot, and she is drinking a whole lot, like a whole whole lot. And um, and Wabiske takes her away, and he's like, "I'm I'm gonna take care of this lady. I'll send her away." And um, we then find out that they um that that's his mistress, um. And um, yeah, pretty she, shocking. This is about like an hour in, kind of like midway through the movie, and I was yeah. like, "Oh wow, big development!" I was not expecting. Yeah, and she's and she's very very much trying to vie for his attention, and uh, she's take me back to Tokyo. <laughs> he says, "I can't," and she's like, "Well, take me right here." And then they bang in the woods. That's <laughs> uh, very yeah. it was kind of out of left field. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, are the, is this setting up a subplot to be resolved, or is this just another thing that's going on? And, like, it's, yeah, it's just weird. Um, but yeah, once again, know, like, a thing that, a, a thing that just, a, a very human thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't um, know if we want to, like, if we want to save thoughts of stuff. I was going to talk about this in the critiques, but. Sure, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll get back to it. That's fine. Um, okay. I, I I did forget to mention that uh that Kikue or not Kikue, uh, Chizuko talked about how um how her father slept around a whole lot and mm. and she was named after his first love. Uh, yeah. And I and I think it's interesting that Wabiske uh, also apparently sleeps around. So it's I don't know. Maybe there's a parallel to be drawn there. Yeah, there's um, definitely that thing of you, know, you sort of unconsciously can end up with uh, partners that reflect your parents and so possibly she saw something in this guy that she saw in her dad which is a similar quality that ends up you know sleeping around yeah i couldn't tell if this scene was also supposed to be funny because as this is happening uh chizuko is is uh swinging on a um basically a log swing Mm -hmm. uh as the uh the sexual congress is happening uh sort of like i don't know to sort of drive home that yes this is sex (laughs) also yeah yeah, i found that very tense because i couldn't tell if it was trying to communicate like she was kind of looking off into the distance like possibly she could see into the woods and possibly she could see what was happening and she had this very blank expression that was you could i was kind of trying to figure out if i was putting this idea that she was being you know kind of cold and and seeing what was happening uh on her face or or if it, it was just sort of she was mindlessly swinging and i was bringing that to it myself um i thought that was um, really interesting my impression of that was that it, it is excuse me it is a blank expression but but the way she's doing it the ambigu the ambiguity there to me was that maybe she knows about the affair and like once he gets up to deal with her that's excuse me that uh that she knows what's going to go on, so she just goes out to try to distract herself and not think about it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, so after uh, uh, after all that, the uh, the head priest comes, um, uh, Shichiryu, and um, all the way all the way from uh, Shibamata. This <laughs> <laughs> he's making house visits. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, this is a particularly funny scene. Uh, well, he he gives um, he he explains that uh, 
that Shinkichi was 69 and in death he is 70 since in Buddhism life begins at conception, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts doing his blessing and uh, it's taking forever and everybody's you know sitting on their feet in the classic position, kneeling, and uh, uh, they pan, uh, the camera pans across everybody's feet to see how uncomfortable everyone is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was a, a fun observation. I also like when he first shows up and he bows and everybody bows and then sit, sits back up and then they realize that he's still bowing and go back down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. Uh, afterwards, uh, he admires the table outside that's made from old French kitchen tiles. Yeah. And, he, and he's like repeatedly touching them and, and he's like, oh, uh, or Wabiski says, oh, well, we've got some extras if you'd like. And he's like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. These are so fine. And he's like, no, 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 I insist. He's like, okay, well, fine. And then, as he leaves, he touches it like one more time. I got it. <laughs> I I thought that was a really funny. I don't know, just very subtle, uh, subtle piece of comedy from that guy. Yeah, it's it gives the impression that he is uh, kind of used to getting extravagant extravagant gifts and seems uh, very fancy and well off for a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we find out, and we find out exactly how well off this family is uh, in the next scene, um, where the uh, the family and um, the family is sitting down uh, and drinking, and uh, the older brother um, uh, Shokichi uh, basically says, you know, how he gets all of his money, and he's he's a uh, he owns cinemas and and parking decks and stuff like that, and. And he's got he's very, very well off. Like the both sides of this family appear to be pretty well off. Um and he's got several companies and they've all uh, sent wreaths over and stuff and um uh the uh uh Chisco is meeting with the three old uh uh the gate ball team. Uh so apparently uh, her father used to play gate ball. Uh wasn't sure what gate ball was until I looked it up. It's similar to croquet. Mm. Uh so there it is. He used to play. <laughs> He's played gate ball with um, with with some chums, uh, for for a dude and a lady, and uh, they say, "Oh well, can we see him one last time?" Uh, so they go up to the uh the casket, and uh the woman opens up the the window, and she makes a huge scene, uh, by crying like nobody in this movie has yet. <laughs> um, I guess to infer that per- I inferred that perhaps they had an affair. Yeah. Yeah. One like, of the the wives intimates as such yeah she says oh um, that, now that's how you cry <laughs> yeah initially i thought it was just like uh uh like in a lot of american funerals you'll occasionally have people who are like there to be performative with their mourning just to like as a as a way to kind of further exalt whoever passed away and i was yeah. wondering if she was like it is appropriate to mourn as loudly as I can and make a big scene. So I couldn't tell if it was that or if she was actually genuinely that upset. Yeah. Because uh, there was something else there. Well, when she said, we'll never play gate ball again, that <laughs> I'm like, but yeah, you you're right. Yeah. When you were like when you were kids, I feel like, yeah, gate ball is a euphemism now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many, so many, uh, so many sex, sex euphemisms in this movie. Uh, so uh, eventually, everybody everybody's kicked out because it's getting late and everybody's getting too drunk. Um, so the uh, so Kikue, Chizuko, oh yeah, Wabiske retires as well because he's tired at this point. Who wouldn't be? So uh, the um, the I guess the immediate family is just left at this point in the room. It's it's Kikue, the mother, Chizuko, and I believe Chizuko's younger brother. This isn't. It's not. Yeah, that was never clear to me. Like yeah. what the, all the familial relations were. Yeah, but I uh, I if, could, I just inferred, you know. I thought it sounded to me like he was a cousin from a different sibling because he referred to the uncle as being an uncle and talked about how much he hated him and referred to uh her dad as like your dad. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if he was just a different cousin or if he was actually uh the younger brother. Yeah, it could be a close cousin. I think that this would... also kind of contributes to that feeling of the weirdness of funerals where there's just family members around that you're not 100% sure how you're connected to them and stuff like that. I think the movie kind of does that where it just drops you in and there's people everywhere and 
you can tell that they're close and maybe some of them seem more familiar than others. Yeah, I like that about it. You know, you don't have to like it. There's there's enough context, but like you don't need everything spelled out for you. And uh, it sort of it sort of makes you that fly on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and it's less of a less of a film and more of a, I guess, an experience, uh-huh. so to speak. Um, but uh, at that at this point, um, Chizuko and Chizuko finally starts crying. We haven't seen her cry all movie. Um, she finally starts breaking down, and um, and they all are they all have a moment together, and uh, then they all decide to celebrate uh, Shinkichi by singing uh, a song that a geisha taught him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's it's funny that like his uh, his tendencies were just they were. They were less of a detriment and part of who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the first scene when he's still alive is him like talking about how he's going to move and get this, get a mistress that acts a certain way and stuff. And and Kikue is just kind of like sitting there as because this is just like how he is. Just mm-hmm. even if he's not doing these things, he is like talking about them. Yeah, joking around about him and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so the next day is the actual funeral. Um they uh as as tradition they put the nails in there. Uh this is this is the the part of the movie where Kikioe starts really becoming, you know, it's, it's it's you know, uh aware that she's saying goodbye to her husband. Mm. Um you know, they uh they everybody puts the nail uh as tradition everybody puts uh they take a rock to um touch the touch the nail. I guess because back in back in the olden days, I'm I'm assuming. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. But uh, uh, the family would the family themselves would probably nail nail down the uh, the coffin mm-hmm. with rocks. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's just what it seemed like. To yeah, me, they right? mentioned that it's just symbolic at this point. And yeah, it's funny. But the, yeah, the... the like kid who just starts like <laughs> whack, whacking at it. <laughs> uh, I like those kids a lot. They're like perfect. Like bad kids that are obviously like kind of checked out uh because they're too young you know and so they're just kind of playing around and causing trouble the whole movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah at one point the older brother uh shokichi yells at them a couple times it's it's really funny uh and then they're they're the other two kids are are well behaved in comparison but like Mm -hmm. those those two kids running around like the entire time is hilarious to me and like the realest thing yeah um <laughs> so um so they uh they're when they go outside the older brother gives a gives a speech um throughout the movie Wabiske is talking about how he's um he's a little nervous because uh you know two people have to give a speech and he's assuming you know, well, you know the brother will do it and and I guess I'm going to have to as the other um you know male figure of the of the family um but yeah, the uh, uh, the brother gives a speech about um, mostly mostly thanking everybody for their donations and how the donations helped him rest peacefully, which uh, which I think is uh, <laughs> I don't know I thought that was super funny, and uh, he didn't have much to say about his brother other than uh, his destiny led him here and then he died, um, but thank you but but he mostly thanks everybody for the. Um, the friendship and companionship everybody uh, showed him. Uh, it's r- really uh, interesting his take on how that happened because er- the scene with the cousin or brother or whatever talks about how much uh, he hated his brother. Yeah. And the reason that he moved there is is because he wanted to get away from him and his hometown and his family. And then... Um, and then when the the uncle is eulogizing him, he says, "Well, I, fate just brought him here, as if it was not either ignoring or papering over the reason that he moved away." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they so then they get to the crematorium. Uh, they uh, Wabiske remarks that the that his father in law was the only one to be cremated that day, which is good because this entire humongous family is here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> A line out the door would be, uh, well, that'd be too many people. Um, so they put him in the, uh, in the, the cremator, I guess. But, but uh, uh, they're sort of like sitting and watching the smoke outside come from the chimney. And uh, 
and little by little they are they are told, "Hey, psst, come here, check this well, it's out." Well, the little kids, the kids at first running around being like, "We saw Grandpa's bones." Yeah, that's right. And then they're like, "Wait, what's happening?" Well, I'll go see. And then everybody's like, "Hey, hey, come here," and sort of leads everybody in one by one, um, leaving uh, leaving Kikue to to herself. Um, and they're it seems that they're pretty fascinated because they've never seen anybody actually being cremated before. And they talk to the the, cremor, the cremator himself, and um, and he says, "Yeah, it gets me nervous every time because I'm always afraid that." That, that that somebody's still alive in there. Yeah, and, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was a good good uh, exchange. Yeah, and he says healthy people burn burn way easier. So it's uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, he he explains the the cremation process in a a macabre but funny way. Yeah, the the weird macabre, the like healthy people burn easier, so we you have to use lower heat. And then he talks about how they burn babies very at very low, nice and gentle and warm, and it's just the most morbid thing in the whole movie. Yeah, but he's talking about like, oh yeah, no big deal. This is <laughs> he's so decent. But he does that on he he just like nonchalantly says that on the back of him talking about nightmares about accidentally burning someone somebody alive mm-hmm. yeah so it, yeah it's a lot of people working in funeral services have kind of interesting takes and perspectives on that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah uh so then they come back to the house afterwards for um for their meal and uh and this is when wabiske is prepared to give his speech but uh kikue um insists and uh as as you know she is the you know, she should get the last word. And, um, and, you know, she thanks everybody for coming. And, uh, once they sent her out of the sick room, she said that she, uh, regretted that he died all alone. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, even if she couldn't be there, uh, it was nice for everybody to have come and, uh, um, uh, and, and can and be and be the consolation that you know he, he sure he died alone, but in life he had so many people basically. Mm-hmm. And also that that now she doesn't feel like she's alone anymore because she can like through everybody else feel still feels his presence with her. Uh, something that's interesting to me is part of why she's regretful is she wanted to or the the chief thing she wanted to do was hold his hand and kind of like in a small way, experience that death with him uh, to, like, j- both be with him and, and maybe make it easier, more gentle, but also so she could, like, experience that with him. So he, even even as dying, that he wasn't alone in the experience. Yeah. Um, so at that point, everybody leaves. The movie ends, and uh, um, as... As the movie ends, uh, Wabiske and Chizuko hold hands and give each other a look. Um, not qu- quite sure what the look is, but it's almost like a well, this is we're, we're this is us. Yeah, here's the situation we're in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the credits roll as they are um, burning all the cardboard and uh, and wood that was used for the um, uh, the shrine. The shrine, yeah. So and the, yeah, the credits roll over that, which is a uh, quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a good another look at these like details. Like you know, everyone yeah. gives you all these flowers, and you have to set up the shrine and everything, and it's like, and then what do you do with it? Yeah, you know, it, it's quite interesting, right? Like I feel like this is prob that's probably why this movie was such a huge hit. Like I like everybody could relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the funeral. Uh, what uh, what are your uh, thoughts on it? Uh, the two of you. Uh, I it it struck me as being an odd one almost immediately, um, which is like I guess a part of Jizo Itami's charm. Uh, but as the film went on, I was just really struck by the authenticity of like, yeah, these are a lot of this is this is what it's really like, even though this is a funeral in a different culture and different context than I have experienced that a lot of those um, experiences are universal. Like you said, the, 
we I, like Joey said the yeah I know this person is related to me but I don't know how and I see them at stuff but I don't really remember who they are and like kids you're not sure who they belong to running around uh the there was uh, a few times when people were kind of like cornered and talking to old men that they didn't really want to listen to but I was like yeah that's that's definitely a thing that happens is people just strike up conversations you don't really want to have um but also the fact that like because they're doing so much that the bereaved themselves have such little time to mourn like it's so late in the process that that uh, Chizuru and Kikue really have time to process like this is a thing that's happening this, that he is gone and that this is this is them saying goodbye one last time is is something that until that uh, that second night after they shoo everybody off that either of them has really has a chance to deal with and that is that is something else that is very authentic to me mm-hmm. is that you you are so busy that you don't have time to like really think about it until like right when it's going on yeah that that scene in particular uh where um kikue chizuko and the uh cousin are left are left alone is is uh it is sort of an example of that too like it you know everything just once you have a moment and you feel like you can be uh by yourself and with your own emotions then that's when everything kind of um, comes to a head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I thought this. I thought, man, I thought this was really interesting. Having only seen Tom Popo uh, from Itami's filmography, um, you know, like Tom Popo, as we've said, this takes a subject and looks at it very thoroughly. And and I'd say similar to Tom Popo, it's less about any sort of story and more about analyzing the subject itself. Uh, what I found. or you know what i took from it is a fascination with the ritual and the many steps and procedures involved with funerals and how Mm -hmm. like i feel like we've been sort of saying this but like how no matter how carefully the everything is planned out that that life is imperfect and it's these like imperfections that will rise to the surface and i think things like um uh oh i think i took a uh a that I saw this, uh, that I wanted to mention is that during the ceremony, it like follows an extension cord all around the floor and then eventually up to the like speaker and stuff. And I felt like that was a good like example of like everything kind of perfectly laid out, but then you have to have this kind of ugly, uh, extension cord, uh, kind of, uh, in the way. Um, and then stuff like those, like bad kids and the awkward uncle, you know, questioning and bumbling things up, uh, every, every step of the way like are all good examples of this but like it's really everywhere throughout the film and um a scene that stands out that i think is also kind of about this that we were talking about is that sex scene uh and the issue the whole issue of uh wabiske's affair um you know i had said that like it really struck me that we were midway through the movie and i was like oh wow you know I, what I took when it was happening was like, okay, I'd read this movie wrong. Here comes some plot. Like, this is where things start really developing. Um, but then it isn't specifically referenced again. And that kind of led me to think, like, well, what was that about then? Like, why is that? And, you know, I think rather than it just sort of being a weird, jarring sex scene in the middle of a movie because, I don't know, Juzo Itami seems to like sticking weird, jarring sex scenes in the middle of his movies, um, <laughs> from what I've seen so far. Um, I, I think uh, it is a another example of these sort of imperfections of uh, real life peeking through the measured, calculated structures we have in life, like funerals, and then in that example, marriage, you know. Um so yeah, I thought I thought this movie was pretty great. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm really glad I saw it. Uh, having been a fan of Tom Popo for so long, um, you know, having just seen these two and they were back to back, I'm pretty sure uh, in in production. Like, I I definitely have this idea of Juzo Itami as a filmmaker who takes on subjects rather than characters and stories so much. So I I I would assume that through his career that's changed and that he has 
a variety of stuff. So I, I definitely want to check out more, like Taxing Woman, I'm sure, uh, is something we'll see eventually. And uh, I want to see that sort of variety in his filmmaking. But uh, as of now, this was just kind of an interesting, like Alex said, sort of proto Tom Popo. Yeah, I don't feel it's as tight as Tom Popo. No. Um, and I feel like, and the, I think the comedy gets lost a little bit um, mm-hmm. in in the, uh, I feel like the, uh, it's funny you brought that, brought up that his movies are about, uh, you know, uh, they're not really about characters, but I guess the fu- the funeral itself is the main character of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think about it like that, like it's just like, oh wow, <laughs> uh, what a what a robust character. Um, I liked it generally. Uh, I thought that I, I thought it was funny and quirky, but I couldn't help but compare it to Tempopo, just because I I wanted I wanted another thing like Tempopo, but with a different subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, uh, I was, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. I think I, I think I expected something a lot more, um, goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, it sort of like hints at that with that, like (laughs) car, uh, rain, the car in the rain scene with passing the sandwich and stuff like, and, and even starting with those, uh, that little, uh, bit of them filming the commercial, you kind of get the feeling like, okay, this is going to be the same thing where there's these little segments and they're kind of weird but uh, it didn't end up being that so much. Yeah, it, it had elements of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the comedy is, is super subtle because you get, aside from the, the car scene, you get stuff like the uh, the help VHS that he is watching is like kind of comedic in and of itself because mm-hmm. like I, this is a odd product and the way they have it, the the lady presenting it, there's when she has the like flash card of what you're supposed to say, uh, it's kind of funny, but that whole scene, he's sitting there with, uh, an egg beater, a motorized egg beater making like whipped cream and to, to just why, um, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> which also that, that does another thing of their, of like, like I said, conspicuous consumption. He's got like fancy kitchen gadgets and a, and a fancy TV and VCR with rewind and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back then that wasn't very common, but yeah, it's, uh, and, and the kind of like way that the priest is, is admiring the, that table. And when he like goes back for one more touch yeah, is, uh, is it's, it's these like small, tiny moments of things that are, that are funny and just kind of like character foibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely where a lot of the comedy comes from, and I I, I do appreciate that a lot. Um, okay, so any, uh, favorite scenes? You know, uh, like cause... I I I said, uh, you know, I've been talking about being really kind of attached to this idea about the little perfections of the rituals and stuff. And uh, one scene that I thought was perfect about that is what Scott was just talking about, and that scene with the video. Um, I really really like that part because like it seemed funny but also kind of realistic in that way that i was talking about how i i now will like pull up a youtube video to see how to you know do a thing and um and i one thing that i laughed about uh is uh chizuko uh latching onto that phrase that was shorter that was supposed to be what you say if you're so overcome with emotions that you can't like say the super long thing but she's like oh Okay, I'll do that one because it's shorter. And <laughs> yeah, she says something like, "That's the one for me," yeah. which is yeah. the way she phrased it. it. Was funny. Yeah, and I thought that was really a good uh, tie-in with them, their characters being actors, because they were really approaching this as kind of another role. They're like, you know, this kind of like I got to learn my lines kind of thing. I think later that's uh, you see him uh, studying the the video when he's um, after he's kind of gone off to bed. And you get the feeling that this is like an actor preparing for a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, uh, my standout scene is probably the final one when uh, Kikue is is giving that final eulogy, and just like the performance in that, and the way that she keeps getting softer and softer towards the end of the speech, um, it was just super powerful to me, and I liked that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, mine was less of a funny thing too. It was uh, it was the scene where Kikue and Chizuko and the cousin they're that 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 whole section. Um, just because mm-hmm. you see a wonderful range of emotion, and to me that like resonates to me like personally how I feel at a funeral or or something mm-hmm. uh, akin to uh, akin to that. You know, like we're sad, but let's let's do let's uh relive a happy memory mm. kind of thing and it's uh i don't know I, I feel like that's a very relatable scene too which uh so it might be you know an easy one for me to pick but um but yeah um let me see here uh oh so uh takashi shimura award mm-hmm. um i've got i've got one uh uh i'm curious to see who you all picked uh this might be a sort of controversial statement but and i kind of hate to do this after we did it last month with sweet bean where we said like nobody because the cast was so small i kind of landed on nobody again because like i don't know i i'm curious to hear what you guys say because i think everybody did a good job but like nobody really stood out more than anybody else to me like this being so focused on the funeral rituals and stuff like i kind of felt like everyone was in service of like this kind of like a cog in, in this machine that <laughs> itami was putting together um so i don't know there there were there was a lot of good acting i'm not saying like nobody was good but like nobody i couldn't really land on anybody um i thought it was interesting that yamazaki won a ba- best actor award for this film because i thought he was good but like it didn't really like seem like one where you'd say oh yeah that that guy was amazing um mine is is less on the acting prowess and more on the standout part um which like the for me it's the funeral director guy Mm. just because every scene he is in i could not help but just like be like all of my interest is drawn to him just because he looks like a character from some like exploitation film <laughs> with his weird white gloves and glasses and stuff like yeah. he's yeah. going to be the villain like he's the evil uh uh warden of a prison or something didn't he have like a but, beret yeah yeah that's like it's yeah, a good he's look just, <laughs> and and his performance is fine but yeah just like his his uh appearance and his mannerisms the way he's kind of like the way he talks is a little checked out and it's um just bizarre and when he's talking about the, uh he, i i do like how he is also like this is his profession he is he is on his grind when he's like um uh being like i've developed these special lunches that we can have that are that that i've put together based on what i know about people at funerals uh that we can have while the body is cremating mm-hmm. or when he is uh when he suggests that priest who is uh, obviously very expensive and he when they're trying to figure out how expensive he says for for famous movie stars like you uh 200,000 or whatever um i have to wonder if like he and the priest have something where he is getting a cut of that for <laughs> for directing people to him um but yeah he was just a, a really fascinating character and i i liked every time he was on screen yeah, um, I was sort of going back and forth between what you were saying, Joey, and um, like because everybody is pretty pretty solid, but uh, I think uh, Kinsugai who plays Kikue really really knocks it out of the park here. Um, like she is one hundred percent believable, and mm-hmm. I think she's st- like she stands out like in in the scenes that where she is you know the focal point big time. Um, but I was also thinking about Hideji Otaki, like the entire the entire movie. Mm. That uh, that plays the the kind of bumbling uncle guy. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I think he sort of steals any scene that he's in just mm-hmm. by virtue of being there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the, and and the shit he says, like, it, <laughs> it, it it's very like I don't know. I feel like everybody knows that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their family, who just has to say something about everything, um, like I don't know. I think he's probably my pick. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, um, it definitely stood out to me. It was sort of infuriating. And I kept kind of like, <laughs> in the same way that you would in real life, I kept kind of coming back to this idea like, okay, he's he's probably grieving. He's, you know, going through his own thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so shall we dance? This this is an, <laughs> This is an interesting one because... There have been so many movies already about funerals. Yeah, in, totally. In America, um, my favorite is uh, is actually a British movie um, directed by Frank Oz called Death at a Funeral. Oh yeah, I've seen that. um, that's a good one. Yeah, and, uh, which was remade, I think, uh, like a year later uh-huh. for American audiences for some reason. And, um, and these funeral movies are always like typically like they're comedies where everything goes wrong. Like that's a good example of one. Um, so I don't know, which is sort of what this is, but on a way more subtle level where it's less uh, madcap, I guess. Yeah, I haven't watched many of the like more notable funeral movies that pop culture is aware of, but I I would not be surprised if uh, a and a Western version of this movie more or less already exists out there somewhere. Um, but uh, for like dream casting purposes um uh watanabe looks so incredibly like carrie grant or not watanabe uh yamazaki uh-huh. um looks so much like carrie grant that it's almost distracting when he's on screen interesting wow that's funny that's that is super funny yeah <laughs> oh man i like that um any uh, any other lingering thoughts that we have or uh no i yeah i i was just uh i'm really glad that we watched this one um that's kind of the main feeling i had after i was done like i i felt kind of a a bit of a rise of emotion at that last scene where they're like holding hands and and i was just kind of like yeah i'm i'm glad i saw this cuz I, I might not have um pushed myself to ever see this one uh without our podcast and um I'm really am interested in digging more into Itami's filmography. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I, I uh, love Tom Popo. It's a great movie, but the the way he gets to like just kind of human nature and and a, a very personal humanity in this film makes me interested in going through his entire uh his entire body of work to try to find more of that mm-hmm. yeah um well awesome yeah I, I really enjoyed it too glad we saw it um looking forward to a taxing woman at some point mm-hmm. um but uh we've got to finish this episode off and move on to whatever we're doing next month yeah next month uh we're going to be watching the yellow handkerchief from 1977 um now we had established a pattern of reviewing Torreson films in January, um, but I kind of wanted to mix things up uh, a little bit uh, and do a different Yoji Yamada film uh, for a few different reasons. Uh, first of all, you know this one is available legally with English subtitles through Twilight Time. Uh, not sure if it's streaming anywhere, but uh, there is a Blu-ray available, and, and you know we try to review stuff that's more widely available uh, as much as possible. Uh, we kind of dip in and out of stuff that's uh, harder. Like the funeral, for instance, is kind of tough to come by. It's kind of out of print and stuff. But well, I mean, it was on Filmstruck until its unfortunate demise. Yeah. <laughs> so Filmstruck, the... it's coming back. So yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, uh, also in our Torson episodes, we've mentioned uh, a few times wanting to dip more into Yoji Yamada's filmography outside of the series so that we can compare how he handles something outside of that formula. Um, and, you know, and, and lastly, I just really love this film. Like I I've seen it before and not to tip it too much, but I, I'm really looking forward to watching it again uh, and talking about it with you guys. Um, yeah. But cool. you know, for those, I will say uh, for the, the <laughs> those of you, the few of you who are bummed to hear that we aren't doing a Taurus on film. Um, I know we have a few listeners that are uh, Taurus on fans. Um, next year is actually the 50th anniversary of that film series. So we couldn't totally leave it behind. And I'll let, I, I will say that later we will be uh, doing a Torah episode. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also over, 
the Thanksgiving break, I watched another Yoji Yamada movie with my dad called um, uh, What a Wonderful Family, or uh, Kazuko wo uh, Tsurayo. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I That would be something that I would I'd be into doing on the show at some point. But seeing as we're doing two Yoji Yamada movies already <laughs> next year, we might have to wait a little bit. Um, well, thank you for listening to the episode. Uh, you can find us, uh, well, I mean, well, you can find me, of course. We'll do, do some plugs uh, at Dude Exclamation on Twitter and Instagram. Um, listen to me weekly on the One Piece podcast and check out my uh, other Twitter handle at Weeb Simpsons uh, for some uh, quality shit posting. Uh, Scott? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Vriska Chat on Twitter, V R I S K A C H A T. I don't know. I, December is pretty down month for me. So. Uh, just hit me up on there if you want to talk about the podcast. Cool. And I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter. Uh, I post news about my uh, comics work at joeyweiser.tumblr.com. Um, you can read all five volumes of Merman now. Uh, they're available digitally and in print. Um, they'd make a great uh, holiday gift if you've got some last-minute gift uh, buying ahead of you. Um and look out for my new graphic novel, Ghost Hog, in May, uh, May 2019. I've just been going over the last proofs uh, with my publisher and stuff, so I'm very excited about that. Um, as for Toho Yaro, uh, we have a Twitter at Toho Yaro that I'd really love everyone to follow. Um, uh, we post uh, news about our episodes and things like that, as well as retweet any sort of like Japanese movie news or cool pictures and information and stuff uh, whenever we get a chance. Uh, there's a Toho Yaro Facebook account that you can also follow for updates about uh, episodes and stuff. And email us at uh, tohoyaro at gmail.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review. Great. Well, thanks thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next month for the Yellow Handkerchief. Bye. Bye. <laughs>